following sermon was recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org. Welcome to uh, CCF this morning, and um, uh, we're glad you're here, and uh, glad you could join us for the pig roast and for fellowship. Uh, I, it's always the hardest Sunday to preach because, you know, the, the smoke is wafting up and everybody's mouths are watering. Um, this morning is going to be a little bit of a different message. Um, we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 19, a little bit out of order from if you've been following us through the uh, book of Matthew. Uh, uh, but part of it's because we're going we're gonna to have a special kind of praise and thanksgiving focus this morning. Um, so well, let's begin by reading Matthew 19, verses 13 through 15. And just so you're not worried, we will come back and cover the in-between section. Uh, so we're not skipping those, but we're just doing a little out of order. Matthew 19, 13 through 15. Uh, then children were brought to him, that is to Jesus, that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Um, we'll, we'll touch base with this uh, um, passage a little. Uh, the, the goal for this morning, so here's the kind of the goal or the plan for this morning so you know. Uh, we want to uh, take this opportunity, as I said, to give a bit of a praise report or update. And we want to uh, share... Uh, the, the, this sounds kind of odd, but the 2019 annual report of FCF. And it, uh, so a couple of things. What is FCF? Well, FCF is the Family Connection Foundation. Um, I know it's a little, it's almost 2021. Why are we doing the annual report from 2019? Normally, we would do this in March. But if you all remember back to March, remember what you were doing at March, right? You were all locked in your homes and we actually weren't having church here, so we decided to wait until a more opportune moment. So that's why the 2019 annual report. Why uh, the Family Connection Foundation? What is the Family Connection Foundation? And I must confess, uh, we don't talk about this nearly enough. Uh, so also a good opportunity this morning to update you on uh, the connection between CCF, the church, and this foundation. Um, Going back when we started CCF about 20 years ago, uh, uh, we, we, we committed at that time that the church would have uh, kind of two focuses. One, to care for this expat community of missionaries and foreigners living here, uh, to minister to shepherd, to be a, a place for people to find community and, and encouragement. But we also wanted to, as a church, be focused on outreach. We didn't want to just be inward-focused only. We wanted to be, uh, as a church, uh, committed to ministry and to reaching lost Thai people. Now, of course, a lot of people, a lot of you, and even back then, of course, um, were missionaries doing ministry. And so even back then I had people say, well, that's what we do. Why does the church need to do that? Well, uh, we believe that it's what we should do individually, but also corporately as the body that the body of Christ is not just to be focused on each other, but that we are to be uh, burdened for the loss and fulfilling the Great Commission 
uh, in, in Thailand and beyond. So uh, as a part of that, uh, way back uh, from the very beginning, we started doing outreach and we, uh, we started a foundation so that we would have a legal way to do this in Thailand. So the name of the foundation is the Family Connection Foundation. Um, and it's in many respects kind of the outreach arm of the church or a way that we as a church can be engaged in outreach uh, and ministry across Thailand. Um, so the goal for today, we're going to look uh, at, at Matthew 19, 13 through 15, and I really want to lay kind of a biblical basis for how and why we do ministry the way we do at the Family Connection Foundation and as we support it as a church. Um, and so we'll kind of lay that out in the first part. And then in the second part, I'll give a short summary of some of the highlights uh, of what's happened and how God's really been working uh, through the ministries of, of FCF, the Family Connection Foundation. All right, so let's look at, start by looking at, at Matthew 19, uh, 13. Uh, uh, it's a very short passage uh, that's a little bit disconnected from what's around it. Uh, but uh, a common theme in Matthew, and we see Jesus uh, receiving children. And, and um, I kind of get the picture, since it's almost Christmas time, kind of the picture of a, um, a, a mall Santa Claus, right? You know, guys sitting there, long lines of parents with children waiting to go sit on Santa's lap. Well, that's kind of what was happening here. Uh, people were bringing their children to go sit on Jesus' lap so he could not ask what they want for Christmas, but so that he could pray over them and bless them. Uh, and the disciples uh, saw this happening, and they started chasing them off and, and rebuking the parents. What are you doing wasting Jesus' time bringing all these children? Get rid of these kids, right? And, um, and Jesus' words to the disciples are, let the children come. Let the little children come. Do not... Um, uh, do not hinder them, for to such as these belongs the kingdom of heaven. To such as these, uh, to, to ones like this. Now, Jesus is not saying here that the, the kingdom of God is made up only of children, but as we saw a couple of weeks ago, if you were here when we talked about a similar passage, Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is make up, made up of people who are childlike. And we, we explained that a while back, that that means... Uh, taking on the lowest rank of society, right? that we come into the kingdom of God by humbling ourselves and, and realizing that we're, we're the lowest. Right? We, we humble ourselves as people in great need of Christ and great need of his saving work, and that before God and before the cross, we have no status or position or rank. Right? Nobody is more important uh, when we come to the cross. We all are under sin and its curse, and we all are in need of God's saving grace through Jesus. Um, uh, and so, uh, so, so we are a kingdom of kids, right? Not, not literally, but spiritually, in a spiritual sense. We come as those who are like children, uh, uh, somewhat weak and vulnerable and, and lowly. And, and uh, it's interesting that Jesus says the whole kingdom of uh, his kingdom is, is made of a people like this. This, this was a, a shift from the Old Testament thinking. And in the Old Testament, uh, there, were, there were vulnerable people among them. There were children and there were poor and there were orphans, but they were seen to just be a small segment of the population. But Israel as a whole was seen as 
more, if you will, important people. Uh, but the kingdom of God is different. The poor and the, the childlike are not just a small minority or group, but it's all of us, right? And so uh, Jesus says the kingdom is full of such as these, and he welcomes the children, and he tells the disciples not to chase them off, because these children really represent what we all must be like if we are to be in the kingdom. Uh, but beyond that, it's clear that Jesus actually did love children. I mean, like he really actually liked kids. Um, he is not bothered by them. Uh, uh, he is not inconvenienced by them. And he's not just using them as an object lesson. He's not just saying, well, let the children come because they make a very convenient and handy object lesson for me, but I really could care less about children, right? Uh, that's not what he's saying. Um, obviously, Jesus, I think, loves children. And I, and I do get this picture of Jesus taking each child up on his lap and asking their name, asking maybe what they had for lunch, um, having interaction with them as children and showing attention to them and then laying his hands on and one by one praying over them. And he's praying God's blessing upon them. Um, he welcomes them. Uh, when, when the rest of, the, uh, of, of society might overlook them or ignore them, uh, where the disciples said, you know, Jesus has got important things. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't have time for you. You're not that important. But to Jesus, they were important. And he welcomes them uh, because it's the very heart of God to have mercy, as we will see on the weak and the vulnerable and the needy. Uh, so he welcomes them and he blesses them. And, and the children in this passage really highlight uh, an important part of uh, truth that... Um, the children are easy to ignore, right? Um, maybe not in your own family. Maybe they're loud enough and, you know, crazy enough that they're hard. You wish you could ignore them, maybe. Uh, but, but in society as a whole, children are among a class of people that are quite easy to ignore. And it's true that Jesus was busy, and the disciples probably thought they were doing Jesus a huge favor, right? They probably thought, we're protecting Jesus, this important teacher, who's got important things to do, and he really doesn't need to waste his time on children. So I'm sure they thought they were doing a good thing. Um, uh, but, but imagine, and, and, and here's, here's kind of the, the discrepancy, the, uh, where, where it breaks down. Imagine that the disciples had done this to a Pharisee. Right? Imagine that the disciples said, don't you see Jesus is an important rabbi, he's got important things to do, and he doesn't have time for... Your, your petty theological questions, right? Uh, what would be the result of that? Well, Pharisees had a lot of influence in society and culture. They were a very powerful voice. And, and the, 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 the disciples wouldn't dream of saying that to a Pharisee. Why? Because it would have repercussions, right? It would come back on Jesus, uh, which, of course, it didn't matter. <laughs> the, the, the Pharisees gave Jesus a lot of trouble anyway. But to, to shun them or to ignore them would cause them to speak out against Jesus because they have a voice and they have a power in, in society and in that culture. But did kids have a voice or power or significance in that culture? No, right? It was easy to uh, ignore and mistreat children because they have no voice, right? They have uh, no power, 
Nobody would have said, boy, if you, if you insult the children, this is going to come back on you, Jesus, right? Because that's how it works. Children don't have a lot of power in society. They are weak and without status, and as such, they are vulnerable. They're easy to ignore and overlook um, because they have no voice. And, and sadly, not just to ignore, but often it's easy to abuse and mistreat them. I don't know that the disciples had gone quite that far yet. They weren't abusing them, although the parents might have felt kind of that way. Um, uh, but the point is, children have no way to defend themselves. And uh, if we looked at Matthew 19, uh, 13 to 15, this passage by itself, uh, we might think, well, this is a nice picture of how Jesus is fond of children. Uh, but I think what's going on here has a, has a lot more to do with uh, than just with children. And if we look at this passage in the backdrop of all the Old Testament and all what the Old Testament says about justice, we see that Jesus is really uh, upholding a principle that goes way back all the way to the earliest times of the Old Testament. Um, And that his response is more than just uh, being fond of children. He is fond of children. He does love them. But it's about something more important than that. Children do represent the, the vulnerable, the weak, right? the easily hurt, those who cannot defend or protect themselves. Um, and, and actually, children are not the most vulnerable. These children had parents, and so if the disciples had kind of stepped over the line, I'm sure their parents would have stepped in and said, hey, watch it, <laughs> right? Um, but there are groups that are even more vulnerable than children, uh, and the, the Old Testament often highlights these groups. Uh, the poor, orphans, right, when they don't have parents to protect them, widows, and uh, the aborn, right? Uh, we all know, many of us live here as foreigners, right? And we know that as foreigners, we do not have the same rights in Thailand as, as citizens. Uh, every year we have to go and beg them to let us stay for one more year, right? And uh, for so many of our people who have left the country, they now can't come back in, right? They have no right. They can't just say, hey, I have a right, right? And we may feel like it's injustice. We may feel like it's some kind of abuse. And uh, it, it's not fun, right? And, and so these are, these are groups that don't have equal rank or rights in society, Right? And, and I think Jesus here is, help, is upholding and reinforcing the Old Testament doctrine of justice, justice and mercy for the vulnerable and weak. Right? The children represent that group. Uh, so, so what does it mean to do justice? Right? Uh, to, to be doing justice. Well, we all know the very familiar passage in Micah 6.8 uh, where Micah the prophet says... Uh, he, that is God, has told you, O oh man and woman, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to what? Do justice and to love kindness or mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Right? So this is Old Testament principle that, that what God has required of the Israelites, at least, is to do justice. This was a huge commandment and a huge part of what God expected of Israel in the Old Testament. So what does this mean, do justice? 
for most of us who live in maybe more Western cultures, or at least in, in the English language, uh, justice uh, kind of has the idea of punishing people who have done wrong. Like we want to, we say we want to bring people to justice. And it means that when people have committed a crime or done something wrong, we want to prosecute them and, and bring them to justice, bring them to get uh, what they deserve to punish them for their wrongs. Uh, but the word in, in, in the Old Testament is uh, broader than that. And uh, in this passage, in Micah 6, 8, there's two key words. One is the word mercy, or it's translated in the ESV, kindness. Uh, and this word is, uh, means God's un- unconditional grace and compassion. Right? And it's often married, merged, with this other word of, of justice. Uh, and the, the word for justice here, the basic meaning is to treat people equitably or fairly. Uh, and in Micah 6, 8, these two words are put together with the sense that justice emphasizes the action of what you do, and mercy is the attitude or motive behind it. Right? So you're to have compassion for people, and this compassion is to carry itself out in acts of justice. Um, and so in the Old Testament, it's more than just punishment for wrong. Uh, it really has the idea of giving people their rights or what a, they are due, whether punishment or protection or care. Right? It's giving people what they are due, what they have a right to. Um, the word uh, occurs over 200 times in the Old Testament. Uh, and if you look um, throughout the Old Testament, often it is connected with this group or class of people we've been talking about. Right? Over and over again, justice describes taking care of uh, uh, the, the widow, the orphan, the, the foreigner, and the poor. Some people call this uh, the quartet of vulnerable, right? quartet meaning four, right? the quartet of vulnerable people. And justice often in the Old Testament relates to taking care of, giving the, the rights and protection to those four groups of vulnerable people. So we see in Zechariah 7, 9 through 10, Thus says the Lord of hosts, render justice, or ESV calls it true just, judgment, but really the word there is render justice, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor. And let none of you devise evil against one another in your heart. So so the Israelites were expected to uphold the rights and protection and care of this group of people. So what does God require of you and me? Uh, Is doing justice optional? Like is it something we can kind of do if we feel called to that ministry? Or is it something that's really uh, a serious thing? that God requires of every, every follower of Christ. Um, well, uh, Tim Keller summarizes it this way, which, by the way, I, uh, some of this I gleaned from a great book called Generous Justice. I would highly recommend it. And he summarizes, summarizes it this way. Any neglect to show the needs, uh, uh, sorry, any neglect shown to the needs of the members of this quartet, the, the, the orphan, the, the poor, the alien, and the, widow, uh, is not called merely a lack of mercy or charity, but a violation of justice. 
God loves and defends those with the least economic and social power. And so should we. That is what it means to do justice. We do justice when we give all human beings their due as creations of God. Doing justice includes not only the righting of wrongs, but generosity and social concern, especially toward the poor and the vulnerable. This kind of life reflects the character of God. So so in the Old Testament anyway, it's very clear that justice was not optional. Uh, Having a a concern, which is the mercy, and actually doing something about it for the poor, the orphan, the widow, uh, the alien, was something uh, that they were required to do. Right? And we see in, in much of the Old and actually the New Testament that this is, comes from the very heart of God. Right? God is a God of great compassion. And I'm just going to uh, give a shotgun blast of a bunch of scripture, but I'm, I'm just giving a really a small glimpse of, of all that the Old Testament says about this topic. If I were to read all the passages and verses, we would, we would miss lunch and I would be in big trouble, right? Um, so let me just give you a, a sampling of some of what the Old Testament says about God's compassion and his call for us to, to show the same thing. Uh, God is by nature merciful and compassionate. Psalms 103 says this, the Lord works righteousness and justice, there's those two words, for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Over and over again, God is described with those words. He sees the afflicted and he hears their cries for help. Exodus 3.7 Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. Deuteronomy 26, 7 and 8. Then we cried out to the Lord, uh, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great deeds of terror and with signs and wonders. Again, Psalms 10, 17 says this, O Lord, You hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. Okay, and one last one about God's God's heart here. Sing praises to God and to his name. Sing loud praises to him who rides the clouds. His name is the Lord, Yahweh. Rejoice in his presence. He is father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families, and he sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. Right? So throughout scripture, we see this is God's heart. And praise God, right? Because that's why Jesus is saying we need to be like children. Right? When we, as weak uh, struggling people who are oppressed by sin and by death and by our own uh, addictions and our own weakness, right? We call out to God, and God doesn't look down and say, oh, 
Why would I help somebody as weak and helpless as you? Praise God, that's not what he says, right? Now, he hears the cries of the afflicted and the oppressed. And that's why we need to come as children, weak, uh, confessing that we are under bondage to sin, and we need salvation that only Jesus can give. And that's God's heart, right? Uh, But not only was it his heart, but God expected Israel to have the same heart of compassion for the vulnerable. So we saw that in Micah 6.8, but over and over again in the commands uh, and in God's commandments to the people, they were to live holy lives, they were to uh, meet certain standards, but one of them was to be taking care of the vulnerable. Exodus 22-23 says, You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. Exodus 23.9, You shall not oppress a sojourner. Amen, for all of us who are sojourners, right? Amen, don't oppress us. Let us come back into the country, please. Um, you know the heart of a sojourner. He's speaking to Israel. You know the heart of a sojourner, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. Like one of the principles here is you should be kind to the alien and the poor because you were, you were them. Right? That's where you came from. Right? You should know what this feels like. And you should have a special concern and compassion for them. Right? Um, Isaiah 58, 6 and 7. Uh, uh, the Israelites at this point were very proud of their fasting. Okay, let's not talk about fasting on the day of the pig roast, right? No, no fasting today, right? Uh, but God was not impressed with their fasting. And he says through Isaiah, Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. So they were commanded. They were expected to do this. And uh, when you look through the Old Testament and in the prophets, uh, as we know, uh, God ultimately judged Israel because they failed in so many ways. They worshipped false gods. They worshipped idols. But God's wrath and judgment came on Israel also because they failed uh, to hold up this justice. Uh, and they were ultimately sent into exile because of that. Uh, so, so Deuteronomy 27.19 says, Cursed be anyone who perverts justice, perverts the justice due the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. And all the people shall say, Amen. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Right? That's what it says. Um, some people, some people say, well, okay, that's a, that's a very Old Testament thing, but we're not, we're not under the Old Testament anymore, right? So we can just ignore all those laws, and we don't, have to, we don't have to have that same concern for justice anymore. Well, it is true that it is different in the church era. The church is not a nation. I'm a pastor. I'm not the president, right? We, we are the body of Christ. We are not citizens of an actual physical nation, And, of course, Israel could implement laws and and policies at a civil level to take care of the poor and the orphan as a a nation. Uh, We can't do that. And we may have limited influence and power over the nations where we live. But we should do that. And 
And the truth is that uh, while we may not be able to do this at a national level, in terms of our personal life and our ministry, this should be uh, characteristic of who we are as God's children. Uh, James 1.27, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And so we come back uh, kind of full circle to Matthew 19. Right? Jesus says, let the little children, let the vulnerable, let the weak, let those who have no voice come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Right? Um, we are these children, and we are to have this compassion on the poor and, and the vulnerable and the weak around us. Uh, like Israel, we are to show God's heart, God's very heart, for these people. And I believe Jesus here is showing God's heart uh, for, this, uh, for children and for those who have no voice. Right? Um, so I, I give this kind of lengthy, uh, well, not so lengthy, actually this is a very brief kind of theology of justice. We could go into much more depth and detail. But I do that to lay a foundation for what FCF is about, the Family Connection Foundation, because we're very much about social work. Uh, and I've often been criticized and have had many people say, well, aren't you just, isn't that just a social gospel, right? Uh, and, and I've had uh, missionaries and people say, what you guys are doing is not even biblical. <laughs> that phrase. It's not biblical, right? Well, actually, I think it is biblical, right? That's what I'm trying to say here. There is a strong biblical basis for helping the poor and the orphan and the widow and, and the, the downcast and the vulnerable. I think actually we all are called to that. That doesn't mean every ministry needs to do that, but in our own personal lives, we, we can't just sidestep our concern for the poor, right? We can't say, and I've had, I've had people tell me this, well, there are government programs that do that, so why should the church why should Christians? Right? Well, the reason why is because the Bible commands it. Right? Because it's the very heart of God. Right? It, it reflects the very character and nature of God when we care for these uh, outcasts and oppressed people. Right? So I, I do believe it's not just a social gospel. Now, it would be a social gospel if we replaced... Um, Proclaiming the message of salvation with only helping people's, meet people's physical needs, right? That would be a problem. But our goal uh, and our, our mission is to do a very holistic ministry to the whole person, right? So we, we want to help the whole person, heart, body, mind, soul, and spirit. And so just as it would be a huge failure to care only for the physical needs with no concern for their spiritual needs, with no thought for their eternal soul. We really believe that it would likewise be a great failure to only care about a person's spiritual life, and especially of those who are vulnerable, with no concern for the oppression and injustice and human struggle that they are experiencing. Right? We want to minister to the whole person uh, uh, and, and meet their needs spiritually as well as physically. So James, again, back to James chapter 2. Uh, James says it this way, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, 
And one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled. Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Right? What good is that? Right? So I think uh, true gospel ministry is a ministry that, that focuses on the whole person. And so at FCF, that's, that's really what we attempt to do. Um, so how do we do that? Well, we'll kind of jump into the report part of it. And let me just, uh, I can't tell you everything that we do. There's a lot. Let me just hit some highlights of some major focus areas uh, where we uh, are doing ministry. And then I'll give some, uh, some highlights of how God has worked in the, the last, well, last year. <laughs> He's been doing more this year, but I'll tell you that next year. Okay. Um, first off, we, we, uh, it's called the Family Connection Foundation because we do care for families, right? Families are super important to us. And uh, we are committed to building strong and healthy families. And in Thailand, uh, there are many things that are trying to undermine and, and tear families apart. Uh, just a quick statistic. In, in Isan, in northeastern Thailand, uh, 80%, and this is a government statistic. Okay, We didn't make this up. This actually is a published government statistic. 80% of school-aged children do not live with either biological parent. Okay, think about that. Uh, eight out of ten children are not living with either of their biological parents. It's a staggering statistic. And we know that kids who are not living with a biological parent are at much higher risk for human trafficking and abuse and all kinds of other problems. Right? A lot of these kids are living with grandma who loves them, but who's living on a 600 baht a month pension. Right? And she cannot uh, really feed them or take care of them. Right? And, of course, there's other things, lack of education, drugs, alcohol abuse, teen pregnancy, gambling, human trafficking, are all ripping apart uh, Thai families. So we work strategically to strengthen uh, families by providing training and resources to make families stronger. Uh, We do that by helping uh, families become more self-sustaining through jobs and job training. We develop uh, sustainable income projects to give them uh, livelihood. And we do a lot of training on marriage uh, and, and parenting skills. Um, in, in 2019, you can go to the next slide, uh, over 400 families were, were impacted through FCF ministries, uh, through, through these kind of programs, uh, through ongoing relationships, sharing Christ, and providing training and, and support. Uh, one program that was doing that uh, in, a, in a village called uh, Dang. Uh, they, there was a lot of family dysfunction, uh, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, teen pregnancy, high dropout rates. And so we started a program in this community, um, training families and teaching families, but also doing uh, an income generation project where we would buy uh, breeding pigs uh, for families to, to have some income. So this one particular family, we bought two pigs and, and gave them materials to build a pig pen. And uh, at the end of the program, they had successfully raised and sold 10 pigs, were able to pay off a considerable amount of debt. They were able to save some money and buy a new motorbike uh, so that the dad who worked as a gardener could travel farther and get more work and just overall upgraded the the. the the well-being of the family financially. But more than that, 
Before all of this, the father was very disconnected from the larger community and from his church because he was ashamed of his poverty. And he isolated himself from the people in the community that probably could have helped him. But after all of this, um, and after he was convinced to join the program, uh, he saw that people did welcome them and care for him. And he is now a much more active part of his church and community. Another family wrote this uh, in the same program. I gained so much knowledge, improved my livelihood, and learned about managing my finances. I learned to use my time in a way that was beneficial. I learned how to live in harmony with my family and with others. In my daily life, I learned how to rest in God's presence, and my family came to know God better. So that's the kind of impact we're making in many families' lives. Another focus area is anti-human trafficking, a big area. Um, According to the TIP report, Trafficking Repersons Report put up by the United States, in 2018 there were 316 human trafficking convictions in Thailand. 316. And that may like sound like a big number or a small number. How many think that's a big number? 316? How many think it's a small number? <laughs> It's kind of a small number, but, but here's, here's something to compare it with. Uh, in the two-year period of 2015 and 2016, there were only 36 trafficking convictions in Thailand, right? 36. And uh, uh, not to overstate things, but honestly, a lot of the reason we've jumped from 36 to 300 is because of the work of, of some very strategic FCF projects. We really have had a, an incredible influence uh, seeing successful convictions all over Thailand. Um, this last year, this year, uh, we, uh, FCF is, is responsible for helping in almost half of all the uh, anti-human trafficking convictions in the country. Right? So, but the sad news is, uh, in, in 2018, 316 convictions, but there were an estimated 610,000 victims of human trafficking. So uh, it's, it's unfortunately a very small number, right? But we are trying to bridge that gap, and we're trying to um, uh, bring an end uh, to human trafficking in a couple different ways. One is through prevention efforts, by empowering those who are at risk through training and discipleship. Uh, we are trying to keep kids in school. I'll talk about that in a minute. And uh, uh, helping equip people with knowledge and tools to protect themselves awareness, right? But also, we are very heavily involved in intervention, which means assisting local and national and international law enforcement agencies in order to build successful cases that lead to convictions. Um, so, uh, next slide. We can kind of move up here a couple slides. Yeah, here we go. So, in 2019, uh, uh, FCF projects helped uh, and contributed to 17 to 70 convictions in human trafficking cases, uh, which was between a third and half of all the cases, combined jail time of 1,359 years uh, with over 11 million, almost 8 million bought in compensation for victims. Uh, On top of that, uh, over 2,000 individuals received training in Internet safety and child protection. Um, Uh, So that's what we're doing on that front. Kind of under that same heading, though, we are also heavily involved in aftercare. 
And uh, when, when you help people who are victims, it's not enough just to put the bad guys in jail for a thousand plus years, which is great. Uh, but we also need to come alongside the victims and help them. And we do that partly because we care for the victims and we care about their hurt. But also it, it can lead to more arrests and convictions. And uh, uh, this year, the Hug, case, Hug Project was working uh, during the COVID lockdown. Um, and by the way, COVID has actually increased the, uh, the, uh, all of these bad things, right? It's, it's actually increased it. And they were working with a case uh, in, in uh, Prow, uh, a victim. Uh, uh, and as they worked with her, they were able to uh, get one uh, uh, human trafficker. But as they gathered evidence off of her phone and through her testimony, they were able to uh, issue 12 additional arrest warrants. Right? So um, one of the reasons aftercare is important is it actually helps us find the bad guys. Right and prosecute cases against them. Um, but more than that, we really do want to care for uh, these victims and bring them to a place of healing and uh, to restore their very broken lives. Um, so we do that by, as we said, helping with victim comp- compensation. Uh, the site said 11 million baht uh, in compensation for victims. Uh, unfortunately, in the past, none of that money would ever have reached the victim. Right? So courts award uh, fines against the bad guys, but the bad guys go to jail, and they, are, uh, they have money, and they're powerful, and they know how to hide their money so that the court can't get a hold of it. We have a lawyer, a Thai lawyer, named Bick, who is a bulldog, <laughs> and she started going after all that money. So when we say that 11 million baht was awarded, what we mean is she was able to make sure that those victims got all 11 million baht. Right? And her work was so, uh, um, so cutting edge and, and so outstanding that she received a national award for her efforts in making sure victims got their, um, the compensation that was due them. Uh, but we also have a number of homes, uh, Home of the Swallow and Bonsan Rock and the Light Center that provide care and placement for uh, victims of uh, human abuse and trafficking, where they have a safe place to heal and to rebuild their lives. Um, So next slide. Mm, No, not that slide. We should have a slide that has a picture. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there it is, that one. 146 people received counseling support through FCF Ministries. 164 victims received some kind of aftercare in an FCF program. So, and that's ongoing, um, uh, ongoing, oftentimes long-term care. Um, uh, just one story, one quick account. Uh, this girl, not her real name, we'll call her Mai, uh, uh, was discovered to be pregnant at age 12 as a result of abuse by a family member. Uh, the Light Center in Ubon was able to step in and help with uh, legal support to get her uh, justice and to bring her abuser to justice. But they also gave her a safe place to live while she, uh, while she was pregnant until she had the baby. And the staff loved her, shared Christ with her in many ways. Uh, after she gave birth, uh, Mai had to make the difficult decision of putting her child up for adoption. Uh, uh, so that she could finish her education and retrieve something of her childhood. 
she has now been transferred to Bonson Rock, another FCF project, where she is in a safe environment and receiving further help uh, to uh, recover. Uh, next kind of focus area is orphan care. Uh, we have a number of children's homes and residential place, uh, facilities that help either extreme poverty, uh, loss of parents, have a disability, or are homeless. And so we're trying to help these children uh, have a safe place to live. Oftentimes we try to find them uh, permanent families or uh, reinstate them to their, their biological families if possible uh, so they can grow to become responsible, thriving adults. Uh, in 2019, we had 48 children in residential care. One cool story, I love this because it has uh, hope at so many levels. Uh, Sam was a young, very young child who came to Connie's home, one of our children's homes, uh, and he had been abandoned by family members who didn't feel they could take care of him because he suffered from uh, disabilities related to cerebral palsy. Uh, so he was staying temporarily at Connie's home until he would be relocated to a, a children's home, large children's home in Bangkok that takes care of the disabled. Um, so uh, finally the, uh, the home in Bangkok opened and could take him. And so the mom came to Connie's home to say goodbye to Sam. And the staff saw this mom just grief-stricken and just... Uh, so sad that she had to say goodbye to her child. And they just thought, well, this just doesn't seem right, you know. So uh, mom went home. The, Sam went to this, uh, this orphanage in Bangkok. But the staff were just troubled. They just thought, this just does not seem right. And so they prayed and they talked. And they decided to contact the mom and see if she would be willing to take Sam back if she had some financial support. So they contacted her and they said, look, if we gave you some mon monthly income help, would you want to take care of your child? And she said, yes, absolutely. And so uh, the, the, the staff at Connie's home, most of our Thai and don't make a lot of money, but the, the staff committed to uh, monthly supporting this mom, right? And they give her about a thousand baht a month plus diapers and other things. Uh, so Sam was brought back and reunited with, her, with, with his mom. Right? And so a good, good, good story where everybody wins in the end. Next uh, area of focus, discipleship and training. As I said, uh, all of this great social work is wonderful, but uh, people can never really change or improve their lives ultimately in the ways that matter most without the transforming power of the gospel, right? So, uh, so we do take care of poor and orphans and widows and those in need. Uh, we, we, uh, we, we seek to fight against human trafficking, but ultimately we seek to make a spiritual impact in the life of every person we help, right? And so we do that through... Uh, through a lot of just discipleship training, uh, evangelism, outreach, uh, Lahu Living Word, Joshua, raise your hand. Uh, Lahu Living Word uh, does this on a very full-on scale, uh, distributing Bible correspondence courses to, to Lahu and Aka people all over northern Thailand and Myanmar. Uh, the lessons are followed up with one-on-one -on -one instruction, and the goal is to help develop 
a strong foundation in, in, in understanding the gospel and knowing how to apply scripture in everyday life. Uh, they also provide leadership training for pastors and church leaders. Um, all of the projects are involved in ongoing mentoring and discipleship with, with uh, people across the board. And in many ways, FCF pr- provides high-quality, life-impacting training covering all kinds of topics. Uh, and then a fun story relating to this. Uh, the, the correspondence course, because they, they, they send it to, to people, tribal people in very remote places, they can't just send it by mail. They have to actually hand-deliver these lessons all over, all over the place. But uh, oftentimes, that's very challenging uh, there's national border closures, there's local church persecution, there's, uh, in some places in Myanmar, there's wars that have prevented this, there's difficult access to these remote locations, and now COVID, which has kind of shut a lot of it down. Uh, so a lot of times they can't deliver the lessons and can't visit the students. Well, um, uh, even though they don't have access, almost all these people have a smartphone and you know, it's the world we live in. We have smartphones and data connections. So DigiServe, which is Rick, you can raise your hand. DigiServe worked with Lahu Living Word to get all of the correspondence course uh, digitized and uploaded to a website where people can now download it onto their phones. So, they, uh, so it's, it's, it has more access to more people. So on this, in this area, some summary numbers. Um, we were able to share the gospel uh, last year with over with 2,300 people. Uh, many of those came to Christ and are now, uh, there's about 213 people receiving ongoing discipleship, spiritual mentoring, and training. Uh, all total, uh, 4,431 people received some kind of training. I think there's another slide for that um, in all kinds of topics and areas. Okay, lastly, child development and education. Um, child, develop, child poverty in Thailand makes it very difficult for poor children to remain in school. Uh, one report said that only 65% of children will start first grade in Thailand. So only about two-thirds of children will even start first grade. Of those who start, many of them will never make it past sixth grade because uh, of pover- poverty issues. Um, and without an education, children remain trapped in a cycle of poverty. So uh, FCF provides uh, scholarship funds through Education Matters to keep kids in school through high school. CDF Hope provides a, a safe and healthy environment for tribal students to get uh, education. And a number of our projects provide after-school programs to help children increase their English and also other academic skills. So all told, uh, last in, in 2019, 5,835 children were impacted by FCF projects. So a lot of kids being helped. Uh, 184 students received financial help to stay in school uh, at a price tag of over 800,000 baht. Um, one of those kids, uh, Kora Wheat uh, lives in Isan, in, uh, I think in Kangan province. Uh, as a result of helping him and his family with education costs, and I think I have a, a picture of him. Yeah, here he is. Um, as a result of that, 
the church that we partner with started sharing Christ with his family. And uh, the young boy, his grandfather, and a couple other family members came to Christ and were baptized this last March. Right? So it, it does make spiritual impact. Okay, so that's kind of what we do. It's, it's sweeping, huge. Uh, there's a lot of details I left out. But, uh, but CCF is a part of that. Uh, and you can be a part of it. Uh, CCF is already a part. We uh, have committed uh, from the very beginning to give 20% of all our offering to support FCF ministries and projects. So when you give your offering here at CCF, 20% of it at least uh, goes to help support ministries uh, like, like these that we've been talking about. A uh, second thing that you are already involved with is that you share your pastor, that is me, with FCF. Now, this is not actually by my choice, but I am also the director of the foundation. I would really love to just be a full-time pastor. Like, if I could choose my job, I would really rather just do this. But um, it's not an option at this time. If any of you want my job, please come talk to me. Boy, do I have an opportunity for you. Uh, I'll sign you up. Uh, But I do help lead and oversee uh, the, the ministries of the Family Connection Foundation. In addition to that, FCF's elders provide oversight and accountability. So in a very real sense, we're, we're involved uh, as a church. Uh, but on top of that, you personally can volunteer. Uh, many projects need help. And if you are interested, come talk to me, and I can see if we can find a place where you could serve and volunteer. Uh, you can give in, in addition. Good opportunity coming up on December 1st is Giving Tuesday. Uh, and we are connected with uh, Global Giving, um, and this year Global Giving has a million dollars in matching funds. We would love to get a good chunk of that, right? The way it works is you give, and then they match it. So if you're interested and you have you know, that extra $10,000 sitting around, you just didn't know what you're going to do with, uh, Global Giving Tuesday, a good place to do it. Uh, ministries need monthly support. I know a lot of them, Lahu Living Word, a lot of ministries really are needing monthly supporters so that they can do what they do. Uh, and beyond all that, you can pray. I'd encourage you to go, uh, next slide, go to fcfthailand.org and you can see the ministries and projects and learn more about it. And, uh, uh, you know, pick, adopt a project. Have your family adopt a project. Get to know them, visit them. Sign up for their newsletter and, and pray for them. Because right? we, we were, we're thankful and we just praise God for the lives that are being changed. Uh, many lives being changed. But, um, you know, Thailand is still desperately in need of the gospel, right? Still so many. And I know you are all working and laboring, uh, but here's some other ways that you can be uh, seeing uh, the name of Jesus lifted up in Thailand. Okay, sorry that was so long. Uh, A lot of information. Um, If you want the slides, I would be glad to share those with you if if you want to know more about what's going on. But let's let's pray. Before we pray, I just want to uh, mention, I, as one of the elders, uh, 
we, we take turns greeting people when you're coming in in the mornings. And uh, for me, it's a delight to see people that I haven't seen for a while. It could be for a week. It could be for a day. Uh, for some people who have just returned from being stuck outside for months due to COVID who are here. Uh, I saw a mom and a little girl coming up the stairs. And when Tim started talking about, uh, let the little children come to me, this little girl is coming up the stairs, and she is a toddler, and she's by herself. And she is so delighted both to see me and to be able to be walking up unaided up those stairs. That's a child. I find myself delighted to see you when you come in the door. And it struck me while Tim is talking, this is God. Yes, compassion, justice. But he's delighted that we come to him. And we're delighted to see that love of God and to see it in one another. Okay, so I just want to extend that a little bit. Uh, as we pray. Lord God, we thank you that you created us, that you created this whole world, and that you love us. That you are concerned that the poor, the needy, the downtrodden, the orphan, the widow, Not be oppressed, but be lifted up because you made them, you made us to be like you. And it's been so marred by sin. Thank you for this report of, of, of what's, what you've been doing in and through some of the projects of Family Connection Foundation out of response to what you have shown us both in your word that you desire and in the face of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to reach out today and every day with eyes of compassion. Help us to reach out because you have loved us first and you have lifted us up from each of our circumstances to be able to look in your eyes and to be delighted in the love that we see that has been poured out into our lives. Lord, help us by the power of your Spirit, by the guidance of your Word, by encouraging one another to be your hands and feet to be people who will walk alongside, who won't ignore those who are downtrodden, those who are oppressed, those who are fearful. 
Lord, help us to bring the light of love that's in the face of Jesus Christ to these little children. Help us to be little children in terms of uh, setting aside power and privilege to treat others as equals, to delight in walking hand in hand or meeting face to face. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. You've been listening to a sermon recorded at Chiang Mai Christian Fellowship in Chiang Mai, Thailand. For more information, please view our website at www.ccfth.org.